Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. All right, welcome back. We're back with the review show. And yes, this is the Joe and Paul, same guys that do the Steelers podcast. But as much as we love the Steelers, we like to talk about goofy nostalgia. And what have we talked about so far? We've done uh, Sledgehammer. We've done, what was our first one? <laughs> Titanic 2. Yeah, Titanic 2. Uh, we took a little bit of a break last week. Uh, we did Frasier, which definitely wasn't something that we panned. But yeah, we, we want to get back to the a little bit of the absurd. So we uh, this week we're looking at Cop Rock, and I've got Joe and Paul with me. Joe and Paul, how you doing? Doing good. doing good. I thought it was really interesting. Uh, Cop Rock just sort of came up uh, on John Oliver uh, like a couple yeah. of weeks ago. He sort of randomly, or maybe it was just last week. Uh, he sort of randomly referenced it, and then threw in a couple of the most absurd songs that they did. Uh, so it was really funny to have that come back into the public consciousness <laughs> through John Oliver, and then just to go back and look at it and say, "What was this thing? And why were they doing this? And why? And why exactly? Maybe it didn't work." Well, and I'm interested too in trying to figure out. Um, there's a lot of pop culture that went with this. Um, it was interesting. Um, I, I did a search for the Cop Rock um, episode. We, we just watched the first one. Uh, there were some comedy. Yeah, there were some comedy bits. Um, David Letterman had this bit where he called his mom to ask her about the review of Cop Rock. So probably in our blog post, I, I'm going to have to <laughs> link some of these interesting things so you can see some of the um, you know interesting stuff that happened around Cop Rock. I don't know. It's kind of cool. All right, well, let's get started. Um, the backup for Cop Rock, and I'll tell you why I read, and you guys can picture if anything else you read. Uh, it went on ABC, but it was interesting. I thought originally, I remember seeing the previews for Cop Rock when it first came on, and I never got around to watching it. Uh, it seemed a little bit silly from the previews, like the trailer, like when I was 15 and, you know, the show came on for the first time. This is from 1990. It was an ABC show. But the one thing that intrigued me that we learned why when we watched the show, uh, Stephen Bochco. I mean, this is LA Law. This is uh, Hill Street Blues. I mean, he's pumping out big-time stuff. And, again, I hate to make fun of Alan Spencer. Sorry, Alan, if you would Come on the darn show when you got nothing else going for time. I'll be nicer to you, but I'm a little grumpy to our Alan Spencer. This is Alan Spencer coming up with Sledgehammer. I mean, this is Stephen Bochco. So we're not having some funny guy trying to write comedy. I mean, this is probably your leading 
um, crime, you know, show guy of the time. And, yeah, during uh, the during the eighties, he was he was, oh, he that, was that hit factory, and then that's yeah. the deal that he had with ABC was a ten series deal. That's yeah. absurd. That's absurd level of trust that they have in him. And so this, so Cop Rock was one of ten series that he was contra contracted to to create for ABC. And so that's really how it made it on the air because it was Steven Bochco and because he already had a contract to create 10 series. Otherwise, I don't know how this would have made it through that time, but this is one of those shows that though it only lasted 11 episodes, it knocked down the doors for future series to have a lot more success. Not instantly, it took a long time for there to be more series that have this kind of uh, the kind of success that there are a couple of them now. Um, but they would not have made it past anything if Steven Boschko had not burned one of his 10 series uh, contract deal with ABC on this project. Well, and Paul, I remember watching the song He's Guilty, which was a featured song in this episode. I saw it somewhere before, so I don't know if I ran across on YouTube or whatever. That I, I remembered that part. I was surprised because going into this, I thought we were having Sledgehammer. I thought we were having 20 songs. I thought it was going to be more goofy, satire, shtick, cop, all this other stuff. It's turned I mean, we were dealing with some, whoa, heavy issues on this. Did that <laughs> surprise you like it did me? Yeah, everything, even the acting, I, it kept it kept feeling like it was going to lead up to uh, that Sledgehammer kind of moment. Like, I, I was... Yeah. I was thinking in terms of, uh, I think it only lasted two seasons, but Gallivant, which I loved, uh, kind of waiting for that buildup to some kind of funny payoff. And instead, a guy's getting waterboarded with coffee. It's like, yeah, uh, yeah that yeah. was nuts. I, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I could not believe that they were doing that. Like, wow, this is definitely, what was it, 1990 or whatever? Yeah. Oh, man, this was, this is pre. Um, the 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 riots there in LA the um oh gosh what's Rodney King, Rodney King. um it was yeah. pre all of that and it was so interesting to watch them have a show about police officers in Los Angeles before all of that stuff happened and you're looking at going oh that's why there was all of the riots <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh I couldn't believe it one of the things that kind of surprised me about it is I was expecting a little bit more song and dance throughout the whole thing. We really went like a decent amount of time in the show when it was just gritty police cop stuff. And the first song, I guess, I could actually possibly see it happen in real life is they arrested some, I guess, gang members and they kind of went into this rap. And I don't know. I have yeah. I, haven't, I haven't been a police officer, but I can imagine some guy rapping at police. Maybe not in a as dramatic way as it was shown. But I yeah, maybe not with a backing track. Probably right, a right. little more freestyle. But but I can see a guy <laughs> rapping like, hey, don't catch me. I'm going to come after you or whatever. I mean, it didn't shock me as much. So the one thing that struck me about the show was I was expecting a lot more song and dance. And really, if if you don't count that rap thing, there really wasn't hardly anything for the first probably, what, 20, 25 minutes of the show. Did that surprise you guys? 16 minutes in was the first real 
like song song other yeah. than the, the the theme song by randy newman which was done in a looks like in the studio with yeah. the cast hanging out in the studio it's weird um and actually the other guy on keyboards in that opening sequence is one of the other writers of songs for the rest of the series he was this music supervisor um mike post um there yeah. were really only four composers on the show uh that is actually what really thought i found strange i didn't realize that in certainly in the pilot all of the songs were written by randy newman yeah he was big back then too I mean, that was he probably was, top songwriter. He, he of that was time. Uh, in a way, but you're doing a show called Cop Rock, and you're yeah. making a big deal about musical numbers, and you're talking about rock, and you went with Randy Newman. To me, <laughs> yeah. now that seems bizarre. And you're right; he was a big, a big songwriter back in the day, but. When I look, when I listen to the songs that they actually had, like for example, the rap sounded like a rap that Randy Newman would write. Well, it definitely wasn't rock. It was not. It was not a rap. There was there was nothing that I would say was real rock about the pilot episode of Cop Rock. It was like it was like soft rock, maybe. Yeah, it was very ballady. And I, and uh, Randy Newman as a composer writes songs that are very story heavy. So I get why you would ask him to do it. But when I think about the shows that have been successful now, like the, the success that people have had is when they frankly come up with composers that are musical theater composers. Randy Newman is not a musical theater composer. That's not his wheelhouse. That's not what he does really, really well. Um, at this point, what he does really, really well when you look back on his career is write songs for Pixar movies um, because they have that story in them. They have that pathos to them. They're really strong and really pull at the heartstrings. And he was always really good at that kind of song anyway. But his work with Pixar is what really, you know, landed in, right inside his wheelhouse. Uh, and so it's weird to think of him trying to write a music for a gritty cop show or B musical theater or worse C all of the above. Um, it just doesn't really seem like Randy Newman's your guy for that. None of these songs either. I mean, yeah, I'm sure Randy Newman did a better job than somebody else did, but I didn't go away. I mean, I remember he's guilty because I remember that from before, but mm -hmm. none of these songs like, you, you, know, you, you talk about, hey, you, you watch something, the song sticks in your head, which is good because that means it's a good song. I don't remember any of these songs. Like, I'm not humming any of these songs right now. No. And not even in a bad way. Not even saying, oh, man, this is so bad, but I can't get the song on my head. Nothing other than he's guilty did that for me at all. And that's probably because the biggest moment of the show. Go ahead, yeah. Paul. They, they, they missed the key moment, which I was honestly – there's so much that was like just not aligning for me, but the one moment I was really expecting a song was, I think the moment when they could have really had a breakout hit was uh, the one guy's bench pressing and the other guy walks in to try to console him, but he does so in a way that makes it sound like he was threatening his family. Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 
And it just seemed like he was going to break out into, in the midst of threateningly comforting him, breaking out into like this great romantic ballad. And so that was, yeah. I felt that was the, the key moment for the breakout hit of the show. And the <laughs> yeah, it was just rough. Uh, well, so there's, and as a pilot episode, you're talking about songs that are, would be like, for example, from the first act of the musical. And there, typically, the only song that usually stands out is in musical theater writing called the I Want song. You know, All I Want is a Room Somewhere. Uh, You know, those kinds of songs that tell you up front, this is the main character and this is what they really want. And so that you buy the rest of the journey that we're on. Um, I'm not even sure who the main character was. Do you? Exactly. The characters that got the song, the, there were three characters that got individual songs. It was the mayor, which was a big, which was the silliest song that they had. Yeah, that, I couldn't take it seriously at all, but they threw in this number that was way too silly. The, the, I think he's the investigator, like this crime scene investigator is he, the husband of the female police officer. Yeah, she comes, she comes home, her partner brings her home, and then he stays up and he has a solo. And the girl who sold her baby for $200. Those yeah. are the three characters that got solos when really the people who were probably more integral to the story that's going, because obviously the story for the 11 episodes that exist really revolves around the cop that killed the drug, de- drug guy uh, in the house. That could have been a song. You could have followed that guy's journey. Um, But instead we have a song from the mayor and like the mayor didn't even really have anything to do with the whole first episode. I think you could have put the mayor song in the second episode, introduced the mayor theme later on. It just, a lot of things seem rushed. Uh, Yeah. And weird songs. Well, and you're saying, you saw the end. I don't think you watch all eleven episodes, but you're saying mm-hmm. that the shooting kind of becomes the theme, like the after. A lot of the, the actions right. from the for the later stuff is it revolves around how the different cops deal with the fact that this happened. Are you willing to stand up for your, you know, stand behind the the, the, the blue line? Uh, do you step up and say no, this was wrong? Um, you know what's going on with the 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 judge that had let that guy out in the first place. There's a lot of stuff is all tied around that one single action. Yeah, I think they messed up, and not that musicals all have to be silly, but I, I just think it seemed it seemed weird. Now, but that's Stephen Bochco though. Like he's yeah, not yeah. he's not writing How I Met Your Mother. He's writing right. Hill Street Blues, <laughs> and frankly, that's where this came from. There was right. a Broadway producer that approached him about making a musical out of Hill Street Blues. And yeah. that's what gave him the idea to do this show. Um, they ultimately couldn't work out the logistics of making actual Hill Street Blues on a stage set to, that would satisfy him. So that project fell down. But that's what gave him the initial idea to do Cop Rock was to initially thinking about Hill Street Blues as a musical. It was interesting. I, I watched a commentary of it where there were some guy analyzing was like typing in stuff on the screen. So it kind of blew the surprise. So let me ask you guys this because you guys probably didn't see it coming. So the end scene where the lady sells her baby, you know, for drug money and everything. And I know throughout the episode, 
you know, she was worried, like, hey, you know, when they took her away, the baby way to go to the foster home originally when she was first arrested and everything. Did it shock you? Like, I knew it was coming because the commentary said, hey, here's a controversial scene where she sells her baby. So it didn't surprise me. Knowing that, it, not knowing that it was coming, did it shock you? It was like the, oh my gosh, this is crazy, you know, or was it not that surprising? I knew it was coming, so it didn't really surprise me. I, I honestly, I was really the. I was just so disconnected from the whole thing that I mean, nothing really engaged me. It's kind of like, um, I, I adore Miles Davis. Um, he was a genius. He was cutting edge. He was always trying to reinvent his style. And sometimes with that, it was like, whoa, that mm, didn't quite work, Miles. Um, and I fully appreciate uh, what was attempted with this, um, but it just so didn't work that there, there was nothing that I was so invested in so as to be shocked, saddened, and other than watching a guy be waterboarded with coffee. That was right. disturbing, but other than that, was... Yeah, when it when the car pulled up, she was singing the song, and then the car pulled up. There were so many scenarios rolling through my head. I'm as a I'm a writer, so every time I'm watching something, I've, everything is ruined for me. I, I go to watch something. I'm spending a lot of the time going, "What would I write next? Oh, what uh, okay. I think is coming next." And half the time, if I've come up with something off the top of my head that I like better than what I'm watching. Um, which happens a fair amount of time, not because I'm brilliant, because I think a lot of things settle for common denominator things. Uh, the scenario of her selling her baby for $200 was not something that I had come up with. So I was very surprised by that because the, the, the officer, the female officer was go work, go working so hard to get her to, uh, to get into rehab and clean up. And the reason she wouldn't do it was because she didn't want to give up her baby. She she would. They spent the entire episode telling us that she was willing to sacrifice everything to keep this baby. And then she sang a song and sold the baby for two hundred dollars. I just I didn't. That was not a part of what they told us who this character was. And I'm like, if you're going to give up the baby, then let the lady help you get into rehab. Like this is ridiculous. But I wonder, like the day after it came out, because you remember. 1990, we didn't have as many choices as we do now. Like, mm -hmm. I remember when the commentary had said, you know, the show was canceled because of low ratings, but it got seven or eight million people. Nine. Which now. Which, now which is a number now would be insanely successful. Right. But in the past, there was less choices. It didn't work. But I'm wondering how it would have been like the thing about the water cooler at your work in 1990. Was it that, oh, dang moment? when she sold her baby, it seemed like it could have been presented a little bit higher. Um, like, for example, I watched a show Shouldn't called... that moment have been when the police officer killed that guy? Like, that's what that should have been. That should have been that moment. Be, you know, being parents now, I'm wondering, you know, especially with the mom. Like, you think about, you know, moms there, you know, man, like my wife, when we first adopted, she lived in constant fear going, hopefully they don't take her away, you know, um, right. you know, hopefully they don't, hopefully they don't. And I'm thinking to to put that into the mode of, hey, you know, she's involved in a bunch of crazy stuff that she shouldn't be involved in, but she still loved her kid. Like I watch the show Tyrant. And again, 
it's this cable show when there's a million things out there that, you know, no one's watching the same thing. But they had this really great scene. It was this Middle Eastern guy. He lived in California. Uh, he moves his family to the Middle East because, um, you know, he's the son of a tyrant. And nobody, the American family didn't know. He's like, I'm going to go home and see my family. It was going to be for a wedding visit. It turned out to be a six-month visit. Well, long story short, this guy wants to take him to the country because his dad's a tyrant or whatever. They kidnap his daughter. Again, the rest of the family is Americans, everything else. So they kidnap a daughter, and you're thinking, oh, they're not going to do anything bad to her. Everything's going to be great. She's going to come back fine. They end up stabbing her to death at the end of one episode, and no one saw it coming. And again, it's 2018, whenever that show came out, where everyone's watching different stuff. So yeah. I really didn't have the wildcore to go to. But that was one of the most shocking things I've seen on TV because I didn't see that coming. And I think that scene to end up the first scene of Cop Rock could have been that. I just don't know if it was, it could have been packaged better to be really stunning. I mean, I, I think it tried, but it really didn't get there, in my opinion. Yeah, I think in some ways we didn't see yeah. enough of, of her life beyond yeah. that. She got she got arrested. She came into the police station one time to try to get 50 bucks for turning in her, her boyfriend. And yeah. then she sold the baby for $200. And we didn't see any of the other life that would be compelling enough to sell your child for $200. Well, and just think back in the three network phase. I mean, if they written that better, maybe that could have saved the show. I mean, people were like, whoa, look what happened at the end. And that maybe. alone could have com compelled you to watch it for the next They were hoping years. that the songs would do that. But the, I still think they yeah. chose uh, they chose weird story beats to make the songs. Yeah, it, it just have something that like I'm I'm seeing. And like the only thing again was that he's guilty, which I guess did it for the time, but it was very out place too that he's guilty. So I don't know. Paul looks like you were going to say something. Yeah, I was just going to ask Joe. You said you did some you had done some research on the show. Were there were there anyone anybody in the writer's room with theater experience who could have helped. Cause it just feels like a, it doesn't, a doesn't seem like drama there writer a, called in Randy Newman and let's just throw something together. It didn't seem like it. And I would say that that's why some of the later shows that did it had a different breed of songwriter. The guys who were in the room. I, 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 there were, there were like four or five cause Randy Newman really only did the first episode. Um, the two other major guys who I know were involved, Greg Edmondson, who went on to write theme songs and the, the show music for Firefly and for King of the Hill for a while. And the major guy who was the music director of the series, Mike Post, who wrote the theme songs to Rockford Files and L.A. Law. He wrote Law and Order, including the gong gong sound. So that's his <laughs> Uh, the greatest American hero, Magnum PI, News Radio, Quantum Leap, so and won a Grammy for producing the song "Classical Gas" by Mason Williams. So he had a solid career. He brought they brought in real songwriters, but they didn't really focus in on people who were musical theater writers. And I think you had a different breed of musical theater writer at the time. I don't know if you had the kind of musical theater writer who would have been successful in this format because this is very quick writing. Um, yeah. You have to have very strong songwriters. Bochco talked about they would sit in their writer's room. They had a, a set of the story writers. The music writers were in that room. So they were working all together, 
But I think if you did the show today, you have a different breed of songwriter who would be a lot more successful at writing that kind of thing. Also, if you loosened up the restrictions of it trying to be a gritty cop drama, and oh, if you yeah. left a little bit more, like I think there's a lot of people who could come in and write goof songs. Like that wouldn't be hard to do, to write a comedy. Um, but to, for somebody to write serious songs on a, on a, on a schedule like that, I is would have I think it was impossible in the day, and that's led to why it wasn't successful. There's a couple other series that at the same time tried to do something similar. There was a show called Hull High that had original songs, but it didn't last very long. A show called Viva Laughlin, which was about a casino. Uh, it lasted two episodes. Uh, and then it wasn't until a show like Glee that demonstrated that musicals in a television format was something that people were interested in. It had the ratings to justify spending more money to do things, but even those were not original songs most of the time. Uh, but then you had smash, uh, which was about a musical being written about um, Marilyn Monroe. So it's all the behind the scenes stuff. So they had a lot of songs that were for the show. And then they had other songs that the characters would sing that, um, were about their own lives and not a part of the show that they were working on. Smashes was a really good show. I really enjoyed it as a theater person. I, that was a show that I liked a lot. But now you have shows like Gallivant, you said, had a lot of uh, a lot of music. And then Crazy Ex-Girlfriend lasted for four seasons and involved music. And now you have Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist is another show that incorporates a lot of music into it. And even way back in the day, in the late 80s, there was a BBC series called The Singing Detective starring Michael Gambon, which is not somebody you would associate with musical theater that often. But his character was having delusions. He was in the hospital for a while and like was having some type of delusions. And so he would see things as musicals. Um, I think that's kind of the theme of Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist as well. It's like something would happen and then in her mind, she sees it as a musical. So that kind of stuff was became more successful later, I think, as they incorporated songwriters who could who could accomplish what you're trying to accomplish tone-wise. Yeah. Nobody stuck out in terms of actors. And no. it seems to take on some dark, some weird turns. Like I, I did a search, I'm doing a search right now for cop rock. And somebody take and made the songs, they cut out the songs individually. Well, mm -hmm. there was a song called I'm Not Racist But, <laughs> which, and they may have been trying to take a point, oh. but yeah, that definitely wouldn't have worked in 2021. Um, <laughs> and I don't know if the title would be acceptable in 2021. <laughs> I, I want to be careful about this because, you know, my goal here on the podcast is to keep it PG-13. But I guess episode nine uh, is a song called Bumpity Bumpity, where a cop expounds on how police brutality turns her on, and then she sexually assaults her partner. What? And I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> What's going on here? So, what? It, uh, so and again, this is a review show. We're going to look at a different show each week. So trust me, we're not going to go into the extra episodes of Cop Rock. But apparently we're taking on some dark I mean, this doesn't get goofy after episode one. I mean, we're, we're getting a little darker, I guess, if we could. The episode titles are interesting. That You said episode nine. That's called Marital Blitz. 
Oh. Like a blitz. Yes. Uh, you have episodes called uh, Copophiliac. <laughs> okay. <laughs> one called Oil of Ol Lay. The wow. cocaine, the cocaine mutiny. Yeah. A, a three corpse meal. And no noose is good noose. Well, and, and you gotta think of Botchka too, because if you think about it, he went on. NYPD Blue came after that, and I don't remember too much of it. NYPD Blue, but remember, you had oh man, yeah, it, first episode, first show on uh, in primetime showed a naked butt. Yeah. I mean, so th- yep. it was very. Th- they were pushing hit- boundaries. Yes, they were pushing I think boundaries. Hill Street, I guess Hill Street like Blues yeah. did too. Uh, there yeah. was a lot. Of, he included a lot of content that was uh, controversial for its time. He didn't well, shy from things. Well, I, I'm thinking about that, and, and I, I guess we could kind of start to draw some clues by talking about this. I'm not seeing, and especially now in 2021, there's a billion things to watch. And I still watch TV, but I don't have time to really go into huge, you know, binges of stuff. So I, Cop Rock, not to say I would never watch again, but Cop Rock isn't, like, I don't really have a desire to say, dang, I need to see all this in. you know what I mean? Um, but, man. I, I find myself intrigued to find out more about some of the songs that are in it. Yes. Because yeah. apparently he made a big deal about how there were five original songs for every episode. So that's 55 songs. But that's man, a lot. But when you're going into the titles that he's going into, and when we're looking at Bumpity Bumpity as it, a song, like the, I mean... <laughs> yeah, but that's... But even that as the name of a song or even the refrain of a song in musical theater, uh, that, that doesn't... It, it, like, it depends on... It all depends on how the the whole thing comes across. Like, I could see something like that being used and it being a double entendre, you know, but we're and, definitely and being going done in a, in a way that you wouldn't necessarily feel that uncomfortable with kids watching. But I think this was a 10 p.m. Uh, this was a 10 p.m. Oh, yeah. show. I mean, this, this is, was... This isn't for the kids unless you're the kids... No. Older and you're saying, "Hey, time to have a talk." <laughs> but let me explain to you. Let's let's choose a '90s police drama to talk to you about the talk. And here we go. I, I don't know. It interesting That's the whole podcast in and of itself. Yes, yes. <laughs> don't trust to your kids. <laughs> Repent for watching yourself. That's our podcast. But yes. I, I think at the end of the day, I mean, it, first of all, a horribly titled titled show. Yeah, um, obviously, there's a lot of I, wrong I, expectations. Yeah, right. yeah, but I, I do. I, I still go back to I. I do appreciate the the pioneering spirit of it, and you, you think about the huge success of something like Hamilton, and I think that this could be something that could be revisited if done well and and done correctly. Uh, I, I think something could be very successful, but you have to do it right, and this just did. I, I think I agree. I think cops would be a hard thing right now in the climate, unless you do oh, yeah. a completely PC correct where you're just sitting there going, don't beat up bad people and everything else. And not to say it's not a good mantra, but I don't know if I, there, that's an but, there are, yeah. but even today when it would be full, a huge minefield to try to go into the subject, we still have a show like Brooklyn Nine-Nine that... Yeah, that has found a way to strike the right tone 
where they have the capacity to show something as absurd the way that it should be and still turn and go back. And when you hit another topic, be very, very serious about it, even though it is in this world of absurdity where in the early seasons they went back where one of the police officers who is black was, uh, was approached by when he was off duty uh, and the experience that he had, even though he is a cop, you know, it was a very serious episode, which comedies don't do that nearly enough anymore. But I think um, after George Floyd, I think Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I mean, yeah, there were... It's a, huge, it's a huge challenge now. But, yeah, but uh, I, I think it, it's not that it'll never come back, but I don't think they're producing anything right now no. after George Floyd. I mean, you know, there's no, no way. I think, but run. I think there are, there are still possibities of doing something. Uh, I'm just off the top of my head. I'm thinking something like in a very small town. You know, right. go back to something like Andy Griffith's show in scale, not in tone. <laughs> fine. But to go back to something where there's a very small town where part of the, you know, part of the challenge has always become uh, being a part of a, a, a large community where where people aren't, they don't know each other and aren't treating each other with respect. Um, finding a, a community where people know each other too well to not find a way to 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 work together. I don't know. Or, or find it I don't want to pitch my story ideas here and uh, have right, somebody right. steal it off of this podcast. That's my money. Copyright. Well, hey, me. We, we are partnering <laughs> people. Hey, we could do a percentage. Yeah, it'll be good. <laughs> we, we're doing that for other people right now, so it should be good. But New no, Iowan, I, the sitcom, the musical I, sitcom. <laughs> or I'm even thinking, find something else to kind of prod or poke fun at. I mean, police is probably not safe right now, but maybe no. school or healthcare. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, who knows? There, there's there's some ways we could, you could still do it, but you're right. I mean, but the Hamilton I, thing. I, I, I'm oh. just wondering if if something like this, with what music can bring to the table, could be a platform if it's done very carefully with a lot of heads in the room to explore some of the tense complexities of the mm -hmm. police community and the black community and allowing music to be that platform where some of those tensions are explored. I, I don't know if I'd want to be a part of that and take that responsibility, but if you have, but I, but I go watch right it. People working together. <laughs> yeah. That, well, that could be a very powerful uniting platform, I think. Well, and I'm kind of thinking too, and I say this with tongue playing firmly in cheek because obviously you can't do this for everything, but can we take care of some of the problems? If we have a little bit more fun. You know what I mean? Like, like, you know, no matter what side of political aisle you're on, you know, we need some type of police reform. I know if you're a public or a Democrat, you'll disagree on what type of police reform that is. Hey, again, that's our place to talk about. But, mm -hmm. man, if you had a little bit more singing in the police departments, could that work? I mean, not you need, you mean in life, like the police yeah, officers I mean, really need to sing more? Okay, we don't need backing tracks <laughs> or anything. But, hey, if we had a little bit more singing... Wouldn't that calm me down? Like an off-duty like club choir. I think that'd be great. Well, okay. Uh, think back to the George Floyd protest. I mean, if you had cops singing, that would kind of confuse people that are upset or protesting. At least, you know what I mean. It would definitely be confusing. So yeah, if you're angry <laughs> at police, if they come 
at you and start singing, I mean, yeah, you'd probably still angry, but at least they'll stop you and maybe give you a little pause and say, all right, maybe I shouldn't be violent. And you kind of chuckle and laugh. You know what I mean? You have to find the right song. And I think the right. the right song might be some songs from Cop Rock. Probably not he's guilty. <laughs> everybody knows them. Tomorrow. I mean, everybody right. has the whole collection, the 55 song collection of songs from Cop Rock. Yes. Everyone's got well, that I think DVD what you have to say, a, a gallivant slapstick style comedy musical that can just make fun of both political parties equally. And maybe that can help unite us to just all of us laugh at ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That could be good. It should be good. So, yeah. All right. Well, Hey, anything else you want to say about, about our, our, our show. Well, one last little bit of information that I found really interesting. Last sure. episode of the show, uh, playing an undercover cop along with a bunch of other female police officers singing a number where they're walking, they get out of the, the squad room and they, you know, collect their stuff to go out on, out on duty. A young Cheryl Crow. Yeah. I heard about that. Wow. Yeah, I watched that number. It was bizarre because, as you know, they 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 obviously had to cast people who could sing, you know, at least to some level. And apparently, a lot of the songs were recorded live on set. Okay. So it wasn't pre-recorded. They recorded that stuff live on set. So you had to have people who could really sing. Although some of the people, I think, were hired for their acting skills, and they could they could kind of sing. Um, but it was weird that like you're going across and the different people were singing and all of a sudden it comes to Cheryl Crow and she like owns the moment and you're like, oh my gosh, that's somebody who eventually goes on to a very strong music career. Uh, other people were not. Just so just like Russell Crowe and Les Mis, right? Absolutely. <laughs> right. <laughs> you want the really strong singers. Oh, come on. Well, oh, poor Russell. Yeah, I've been trying to do this with the review because we had kind of a comical reaction when we tried to touch base with Alan Spencer afterwards. There was one guy, and I'll be honest, I'm trying to figure out who he was. But I looked up Cop Rock. There was a guy who was in Cop Rock with Cop Rock on his bio, and I said, hey, let me give him a try. Never heard back from him. And again, mm -hmm. who knows? He could be sick. I, I don't know how often he checks Twitter, but he, he tweets once or twice a day. So I don't know. So, all right. Well, hey, well, let's close it for now on on Cop Rock. Um, Paul, to hang out for a minute afterwards. We need to talk about what we're doing next week. But as always, thanks for checking out the Ohio. And we love um, having you guys aboard and uh, everyone who listens to it share it with your friends subscribe obviously we got a lot of shows going to ohioan have a great day for joe and paul this is chris and have a good one we'll see you next week all right bye-bye